Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hello to those of you still going. One last week. Oh, I bumped a volume bar. One last week of this wild NBA campaign. Our first full NBA season since 2019. And we're just about there. It's Roto Silly Season Week. If you're in a head-to-head league and your league is still going right now, what the hell are you doing? Do not go until the last day of the regular season in a head-to-head league. I don't care how much you love basketball and how much you want it to last as long as humanly possible. There is no reason to take a head-to-head league to the very last day of the regular season. So, we pivot back today. After four weeks of long streaming and regular streaming and just talking head-to-head and with little focus on Rotos, we went through different scores. This week will be very heavy on the Roto and how to analyze it, specifically Tuesday through Friday shows. Today, of course, we got a big weekend to recap, little things that went on and names that are popping up. And then, of course, on Friday's show, that'll take us through to the end of the regular season. And the next week, we start our season in review. Lessons learned, all that good stuff. So that all coming up here in a matter of days. I am Dan Vasper. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You're listening to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. It's Monday, which means it's reverse chronological lightning round day. So we're just going to dive straight on in. You guys know what this is by now. I cannot imagine there's anybody new listening on the last Monday of the regular season, but I guess you never know. So for the one person uninitiated, we go backwards through the weekend. Whatever was going down, we break it down. Easy enough, right? Sure sounds easy enough, but at this time of year, nothing is simple. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Also, easier to just Google Dan from Hoopball. I know that our site name is not Hoopball anymore, but the uh, search engines have not quite caught up yet. They'll get there. They'll get there at some point. We're also up to 791 ratings on the podcast. My goal of getting to 800 is not completely out of reach, but I need your help. Can we get nine more in the next seven days? I doubt it, honestly. It's pretty damn hard to get more at this time of year, but you guys are making it happen right now, so kisses to all of you as we end this season. This will be far and away our most downloaded season of all time, Uh, and I'm not just talking because it actually went the full you know, almost six months in length. I'm talking about on a per-show basis, on a per-month basis. All that stuff is more than I could have ever asked for. So thank you, guys. You've been, and gals, everybody, whatever whatever you, you identify as, thank you for listening to this show this year. It's been spectacular. Let's make the last week a good one. And we'll start with Sunday, where almost everybody played. So it's reverse reverse chronological lightning round, but uh, 24 out of the 30 teams went yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Sunday with a a dash of Saturday blended in. That's how we're going to roll today. We'll start with the early game Sunday. We had stuff going all season long, or all day long, I guess. Season two. Day, season, doesn't matter. My brain is fried at this point. Boston! Beat the pants off the Wizards early in the day. And this was Boston's last easy one down the stretch. So luckily they did make it count. They are half game up on the 76ers as we see if we can't cash that Celtics 25-1 to bet to win the Atlantic. That would be, that'd be pretty remarkable. 
This game was over early, so nobody had to put up particularly heavy numbers in uh, any real capacity. As far as fantasy stuff goes on the Roto side, hard to, to pull a ton away, but we can do a little bit of a Roto reset with most of our teams. Washington, t guys that I'm using on the Roto side, KCP, Chris Stapps, and, uh, and that's it. On the Washington side, uh, we've had, like, Sato has sniffed it a couple of times with the, the rebound assist double-double, but he's really more of a specialist, not an everyday kind of guy. Same story for guys like Denny Avdi or whatever, so it's really just Kristaps and KCP on that Washington side for now. For Boston, no, no massive changes there. Grant Williams had a better game off the bench here. Derek White, same general story, but again, blowout stuff. So Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum... Marcus Smart, Al Horford. Those are the four Celtics you're starting on the Roto side. Dallas beat Milwaukee. This was kind of a fun one. You know, Dallas, this this is a full-strength battle for the most part. Uh, Milwaukee, you're you're effectively at start-the-starters mode and Bobby Portis minus Wesley Matthews. Okay, so sub out Wesley Matthews, sub in Bobby Portis. You got five guys you can use in Roto on that Milwaukee side. Yes, we've talked about this before. We'll say it again. Bobby Portis off the bench is still fantasy startable. On the Dallas side, Dwight Powell's really had a nice second half to the season. He's effectively a guy you can just play in Roto these days. Luka, for sure. Brunson and uh, Dinwiddie have been guys that have sort of bounced back and forth. Same story with Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. Those guys lock giant minutes. Uh, those four names, those guys haven't been reliably inside the top 100 when everyone is healthy on the team. And actually, the best of the bunch lately has been Bullock. But he'll cool off, and then someone else will pick it up a little bit. What I, Effectively, what I'm saying is if you're starting those guys, it's kind of for a specialist thing. Jalen Brunson, it's if you need points on good percentages. Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm probably not starting him in Roto with the team healthy. Dorian Finney-Smith, you're looking more for steals. Bullock, it's threes with a smattering of rebounds and steals. Powell's really the other guy behind Luka these days because the percentages have been so good, even if the defensive stats haven't been all that impressive. All right, I'm finally going to say it. Aaron Gordon is actually startable at this point. He's been good for a couple weeks in a row now. There haven't been those notable sort of dips in what he's been doing. And actually, Will Barton's been warming up again after a long stretch. He had about a two-month run where he was not fantasy startable. He's been better the last two weeks, two and a half weeks. Aaron Gordon, basically the same story. So you can roll those guys out there with Nikola Jokic right now. I wouldn't go to Bones. I know he's, his minutes have been okay lately. Usage is sort of steadied a bit. He's close. He's real close. He's the next closest one. Yeah, even ahead of Monty Morris, who had 10 assists in this ballgame. Uh Bones is kind of the next closest guy. But, yeah, you can go ahead and Aaron Gordon. He's really hot. Barton is, is relatively warm these days, and that's kind of enough to get them over the hump. For the Lakers, LeBron sat this one out, which, of course, makes this a little bit different. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, those are the only startable guys when they're both in the lineup. When LeBron is out, you can go Westbrook. Usually you can go Malik Monk. He had a tough time with his turnovers in this one, but otherwise it was fine. Uh, and that's as far as I'd go with the Lakers. Detroit beat Indiana 121-117. This was the second half of a uh, of a back-to-back. -back. So you got some... Excuse me, this wasn't the second half of a back-to-back. -back. We're in shutdown mode in Detroit. The last game was the second half of their back-to-back. -back. Remember, that was... I think that was Friday night. Uh, so Killian Hayes, I think you can go ahead and start in Roto. I know it wasn't as good in this ballgame. Uh, Frank Jackson was better, but his fantasy game is actually fairly limited. 
Kelly Olynyk somehow still isn't getting minutes. They're giving him to Isaiah Livers. This at this point, I, I don't even I have no idea why they didn't trade their litany of power forwards because they've gone into full shutdown now. Cade sat this one out, but he's a start. Sadiq Bey's a start when he goes, and then Hayes is your other potential start. If we see anything like this stick, and Livers has actually been okay, and Frank Jackson has been meh. I just I don't I don't know that I trust their respective fantasy games unless things really open up. Like you need Cade out to get enough shots for these other guys. So probably just go short with Detroit, Bay, Cade if he's playing, and probably Hayes, and that's likely it. Uh, Goga Batadze started but left partway through with foot soreness, which makes him a difficult guy to hang on to because he wasn't that great anyway. But Isaiah Jackson's back, and he's finally shaken those headaches. 19-7, two steals, three blocks. That was nice. Tyrese Albert and Isaiah Jackson, Buddy Heald, those guys are all startable at this point. O'Shea Brissett had one of the good O'Shea games. It's tough to know when those are coming. I'm not starting him in Roto. Too scary. The percentages can fall off a cliff. If Batadze is healthy, he's probably Roto startable, but I don't know that you really need to. Jalen Smith, I think I'd probably hang on to, uh, although it's kind of the same story where he's not all the way at the top of the pecking order. They're mixing and matching a little bit, a bunch of tanking teams all out tanking each other. If, uh, if I had to make the call and we found out all of these guys were actually good to go in their next ball game, I probably would start Patadze. I probably would not start Jalen Smith. And then the other guys I mentioned, Brissett, I probably wouldn't in Roto because of the percentages stuff. Unless you have a buffer. If you have a percentages buffer, you could try to roll them out there and collect some counting stats. Uh, but then healed Jackson and Halliburton, those are the easy calls on that side. Nothing really changing for Philly these days. They've been the same team for a while now, basically since the trade deadline, so nothing to analyze there. Uh, Cavs have been mixing and matching bodies. Lamar Stevens was the guy who had the slightly better ball game here. Uh, Moses Brown has been a rebounds specialist. He seems like it would continue to be that. They always play Sixers pretty tough. Couldn't quite get over the hump, though. Uh, Kevin Love, I don't know that he's actually a guy you have to start. I think he's running out of gas a little bit here at the end of the year. Uh, it's close. It's close. But you're going Garland, you're going Levert, you're going Markinen, And then Brown is your specialist if you need rebounds. Love, you can throw out there if you need some boards and some threes from a center spot. But from a, like, is this a guy I would just start in a vacuum? The answer is probably no on both of those guys. Knicks are playing better these days, but it doesn't matter because they're, they've are they been eliminated. Uh, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, but again, too little too late. Uh, and it, I don't think it's a massive coincidence that they seem to be a little bit better actually without Julius Randle, who's a big-time ball stopper, and that worked okay when his efficiency took a one-season bounce last year, but he turned kind of back into old Julius, and the offense went with him. And now all of a sudden, Obi Toppin, he's out and running. R.J. Barrett is basically running the show. Emmanuel Quickly is getting a lot of minutes off the bench. Alec Burks has been pretty good lately. Very efficient in this ballgame. All of a sudden, the Knicks have all these fantasy options. Robinson, go. Quickly, go. Burks, go. Toppin, go. Barrett, screw it. Even in Roto, he's probably doing enough just because the usage is so damn high right now. And then Evan Fournier is a guy you use only when he's hot, which he's not right now. Orlando's a confusing mess. Cole Anthony sprained a toe, left early. 
they are really sticking to the Markel Fultz 22-minute thing, but we're getting a decent look. His fantasy game has evolved a little bit. The shooting's a tiny bit better. He's going to probably get drafted too high next year because he's a point guard, and he's probably going to get the keys somewhere. I'm not super into it. I would love to find out that Mo Wagner is going to get to play 28 minutes a game someplace down the stretch because then he'd be an ad here for the last week, but I don't know that I can trust it. Like, Are they actually going to give him that number of minutes again? I wish. I mean, he's always been a good, roto-friendly guy, but the minutes have never been there, and when they have been, he tends to get into foul trouble and runs out of gas pretty quick. So no big changes in Orlando. Cole Anthony going down is notable, but we kind of have to wait and see what it actually does. Because under normal circumstances, you'd say, oh, well, this is good for Markel Fultz. Maybe they'll give him 24 minutes. They'll find a week. But probably they just give more to RJ Hampton, and his fantasy game sucks. So Mo Bamba's a start. That's it right now. Oh, no, Chuma Kiki, you can throw him in there. I know he had a bad ball game, but he's he should be above the cut line. He's not even a must-start guy. It's really only Bamba right now. We'll take it as we go here. We'll see who actually gets to start in the next ballgame. And maybe someone steps over the line, like Iggy Brzdakis played 37 minutes. Probably a start if he plays 37 minutes again, but much like with Wagner, do we know? Kind of have to wait and see one more game before we can find out whether or not we can cash in some roto buckets. Minnesota-Houston high-scoring affair. Gotta love a good high-scoring affair. Big-time fantasy numbers everywhere around us. Ah, yes, delightful fantasy numbers. Uh, Malik Beasley got the start with no Pat Beverly. He's a decent stream anytime one of the wing or guard starters is out on that Minnesota side. And then with Houston, Jalen Green missed some free throws, but he's on a ridiculous scoring binge these days. We kind of figured he would have a good end of the season, but he's been even better than I think we would have expected there. Kevin Porter Jr., uh, inefficiency again, this time on the turnover side, but again, the, the usage has been high enough with basically with no Christian Wood around and then Alpern Shagun is back so if he got dropped pick him up he's probably the most important note so far as we've worked through this my guess is that he got dropped in a lot of spots because he got hurt because his minutes were just kind of slowly ramping up but if he's floating around out there this would be the time to go get him he might not be maybe folks held on for a couple of games but he's back he's rolling and yes I think I would start Kevin Porter right now. I think I said it on Friday's show. You're basically getting a week and a half out of Kevin Porter Jr. So I don't at all feel bad uh, about telling you guys not to draft him. Nor will I. Oh, DeJounte Murray missed two games this weekend and very much ruined any chance I had of winning my head-to-head league. So sad. So very sad. Uh, I, You know, I look at the final numbers and... You know, I lost the week by effectively like three three pointers and uh, like 20 points and 10 rebounds. Murray could have knocked that out in one damn game. Could have knocked that out in one damn game. Oh, that hurts. God, does that hurt my soul. <sighs> mm. Mm -mm -mm. Man, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. 
You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. But that's what happens. That's what head-to-head is all about. And I'll continue to be in a couple of head-to-head leagues, but that's the most I'm doing. I'm eliminating all but, I think, two head-to-head leagues. I've got a weird one that's more points leaguey, so I can talk about that a bit more on the podcast. And then I've got a regular one. you got to be in a couple. But, man, are they terrible. Like, if that... My opponent's key guys, Jordan Poole and Trey Young, had giant weeks and didn't get scratched. If my guys had big weeks, I, you know, I lost Jason Tatum. He was one of my early picks. Uh, DeJounte Murray was another one of the early ones. If those guys played all eight of their games this week instead of five, I win. That's the difference. That was the whole damn thing. And he'll be back because the Spurs now are the 10 seed. Lakers are not in the play-in tournament anymore. And as Portland goes, oh my God, what a mess. Even Drew Eubanks couldn't get over the hump in this ballgame. But he, right now, is the only Blazer that is startable on a day-to-day basis. That's how rough it is. It's Drew Eubanks. Not even Chris Dunn, because everybody around him is so bad, he can't even get the assists he needs. If you want to roll Dunn out there, I'm actually okay with it for steals and assists. But overall, it's Eubanks. And then Ben McLemore, kind of a three-pointers specialist for the moment. I'm not picking up uh, Trey Jones. I'm assuming Murray's going to be back soon. Next time Spurs play somebody, well, they'll actually have competition. They're probably the play... Man, what a disaster for the Lakers. Holy smokes. Uh, Miami beat Toronto. No Jimmy Butler, but how many times do we have to say that this year? Sickening. I don't think... I love Jimmy Butler, but... Boy, this is a rough year, even by his injury standards. So Max Struess, who's... uh, Moved into the starting line, but he's been quite good there. It was an excellent fill-in for this ball ballgame. Uh, Markeith Morris is back, but not going to do enough. I know he had a decent ball game here, but you can't trust that. Victor Oladipo had his best game in about two years, uh, but I'm not buying into that either. Not until I see it a few times in a row, which I don't think we will. Maybe we will, but probably not. I mean, we're talking about one week left in the regular season. Toronto got their usual stuff. Uh, again, when the main main guys are healthy, then those are the only four dudes that matter. Van Vliet, Siakam, Barnes, Gary Trent. Easy enough. That's all you got to worry about there. I'm not staunchly anti-picking up uh, Max Drews, though, if you need some threes, and he'll usually, like, right now he's playing enough minutes to get near a steal per game. It's not going to be a whole lot else. Three, four rebounds, a couple of assists, that kind of thing. But... He looks good. He looks good. So there you go. Shangun, Struess. That's where we're at right now. Max Struess. Phoenix benched everybody. They got beat. Chris Paul played. He has not been... He's been very reluctant to shoot since coming back. It seems quite evident that he rushed back from this thumb thing. He's not healthy. 
you could not possibly convince me otherwise. He's still going to be able to do Chris Paul stuff, but I, what does he hit? One three-pointer in a week? He doesn't like his shot right now. And then the Thunder. Oh, tank mode. Another tank mode team in full effect. Pokashevsky's back. Triple doubled. Good look there for him. There's a lot of guys on this team that are getting gigantic minutes right now that are going to go back to not playing very much at the beginning of next year. Olivier Saar is one of them. Poku's probably, unfortunately, going to dial back to like 20 minutes next year. Vít Krejci. Isaiah Roby's a guy that might be... He might be a part of what they're doing next year. Theo Maladon's minutes are going to tank. Because you got Lou Dort, SGA, Darius Baisley. All these guys are out. Most of the team is out right now. Who would you stream in Roto on this club right now? I think it's just Poku. Maybe Roby. Isaiah Roby, you almost can trust. If you can trust him not to tank your percentages on any given night, which I don't know that you can, and a lot of guys on this team have that same issue. Theo Maladon's actually been pretty close to startable lately. So Pokushevsky, yes. Roby, probably Maladon, maybe. That's where I'm at with that team. Warriors, heavy dose of Jordan Poole. Actually, Andrew Wiggins was better in this one. He had a pretty quiet week. Nemanja Bjelica had his first big game since November. Remember we had like, that really big game, like the second game of the year, and everybody's like, oh, Warriors, what a steal. And then he was bad for five and a half months. <laughs> He's back, baby. He's not back, baby. This was the rest game. Warriors sat a lot of their guys. Uh, they won. Kings don't want to win right now. Um... So nothing of note really on the Warriors' side. The Kings are interesting. Davion Mitchell has had two or three games in a row where he looks like he's running out of gas a little bit. Harrison Barnes has been a little bit better after previously looking like he was kind of cooked. Those two guys I think are in. Trey Lyles has been kind of unreliable lately. Damian Jones and Shemezi Metu are taking enough of the front court minutes where none of them is super... Easy to predict. Jones was really good against the Rockets, and he was pretty good in this one, but he kind of slipped back into what we normally see from Damian, which is field goal percent. That's his thing. Against the Rockets, he had 10 blocks in two games, which also, shout out to the my fantasy opponent for scooping him up for those two games. I mean, this is a guy that averaged only about 1.1, 1.2 blocks per 36 minutes, and to get 10 in two ball games, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, the guy that, that is actually moving on to my radar, and again, I think Jones is more of a specialist. Barnes is not that predictable right now. I like Davion Mitchell. I think Barnes is a, is a probably. Damian Jones is specialist. Lyles has moved back to meh. And then Dante DiVincenzo has kind of become the other interesting guy on this team. He's been getting a smattering of stats across the board. So I think you can probably go ahead and add him and play him in most formats. Uh, the Clippers got a bit of a revamp last week with Paul George being back. And then Rob Covington, they, I mean, this is the ultimate irony. I know that you guys don't care for me to sit here and complain about anything, but the ultimate irony, Rob Covington, Dan Bespris' favorite for so, so long, is probably the guy that ended up breaking my team's back as the, my opponent had him for that 40-some-odd point, 11-3-pointer, was it like a six-defensive stat monster game? Oh, it hurt so bad. It hurts so bad to be done in by the guy that I've preached his value for four or five years in a row. And anyway, uh, Ivica Zubat still trustworthy. Paul George trustworthy on the Clippers side. Everybody else is into kind of a rotation now. 
Isaiah Hardenstein, believe it or not, is probably the third guy I would trust on that side. And then with the Pelicans, you can kind of throw this thing out. They got beat up early. They went to blowout minutes. So nobody really got to do what they normally do in this ballgame. And so you don't make any adjustments from that. So, I, you know, I think overall the notes from Sunday, before we turn the page back to the previous day here on this reverse chronological deal, uh, check to see if Alperin Shangun got dropped because he's back and he's rolling again. Dante DiVincenzo is uh, a player of interest. If you want to, it's probably the best way we can use to describe these things right now. Uh, I mean, probably the two biggest things is that, really. I mean, there are other names we've, th- we've floated out there. We talked about who you could actually start on the Thunder. And Max Struess on the Heat is interesting, but there's not a ton of upside there. DiVincenzo has a little bit of upside, at least, if they kind of let him cut loose. But yeah, that's about as far as that goes. All right, let's go back to Saturday here. Uh, we knocked out most of the teams in the NBA already, but Charlotte, luckily, there's nothing to say with Charlotte. This one we can just blitz right through. It's the same story. Uh, no adjustments. Brooklyn, now that their main guys are playing, sorry, Ben Simmons, you're not a main guy until you actually take the floor for the team. KD, Kyrie, yeah, those are easy ones. Andre Drummond is a start. Bruce Brown sat this one out, as did Seth Curry, but when they're healthy, those guys are startable as well. Brown over Curry. Curry's more of a fringe play. For Atlanta, they're getting their guys back as well. John Collins still isn't back in the mix, but Danilo Gallinari is. So that marginalizes DeAndre Hunter, who actually had a pretty good ball game here. But for the most part, he's going to lose value. Uh, Kevin Herter is going to lose value with Gallo back. And Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to lose a little bit of value, but he was good enough that even with a slight loss, overall, he's still going to be startable on a day-to-day basis. So you're talking Trey Young, Clint Capella, and Bogdan are probably the three guys I start on Atlanta if we're going to kind of reset that team. Chicago, Patrick Williams is a player of note right now. He, I, I, you know, I'm a little surprised that he didn't start because Alex Caruso has not looked like a good fit here lately. I don't know if he just can't find his rhythm, uh, but that stream last week turned out to be a real mess. He didn't do almost anything. And Patrick Williams kind of took his job. Hitting a couple three-pointers, rebounding, steals, blocks, all that good stuff. Would I start him in a roto format? Eh, it's close. It's close. We're talking about a team with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic. There just isn't much left over. So if Patrick Williams doesn't shoot 65% for a game, what's he going to be able to do? Can he average a steal in two blocks, six-plus rebounds? No, I don't think so. One of those three things isn't going to be that high long-term. So when his points come down from 12 to 7 or 8, is there going to be enough other stuff to float it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this team right now, now that Williams is back, he's going to overtake Caruso as the sort of next most likely to be involved. But it's really just Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch. Utah having some turmoil after their loss to Golden State. They blew another giant lead. Uh, Rudy Gobert getting blamed for things that aren't his fault. Twitter was coming to Rudy Gobert's defense. That's how crazy things have gotten here in the year 2022. Fantasy-wise, nothing. Maybe they feed him a little bit more? I doubt it. I mean, this team just sort of, they are who they are. Boyan Bogdanovich is back, so he's startable for what he's decent at. And then everybody else is what they were before. Easy peasy. And I think we're missing someone. There were a couple teams that didn't play over. It was Memphis. Memphis was the team that didn't go over the weekend. 
Grizzlies uh, rested everybody in that game on Friday, but presumably everyone besides Ja, I'm thinking, will be back for their game tomorrow because tonight is, of course, the NCAA Tournament Finals. March Madness comes to a conclusion. There are no, no NBA games tonight. Uh, as far as the Grizzlies go at when they pop back into shape here, assuming Steven Adams, JJJ, Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, all those guys are back in the mix, so you can kind of throw out what you saw in this one, but I'm still good with starting Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks, DeAnthony Melton, JJJ, Bain, and Jones, I think are the six guys I would throw out there when Jaw is not in the mix. Steven Adams is a maybe. He's had some games where he's definitely been good enough, and he's had some games where he most definitely hasn't, and uh, he fits, you know, kind of a need which is rebounds, some steals, things of that nature. Uh, and I think that's the only team that didn't go over the weekend. A couple of thoughts here as we head into our final week of action. And again, this is much more geared towards the uh, Roto side of the coin. I was asked, should mention, I was asked on Twitter if I could do a little bit of streaming talk this week, recording this podcast in a couple of segments that I'm mushing together. But So I will do a bit of that on tomorrow's show. Because uh, we won't have any games to recap. So tomorrow's show, Tuesday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today, we'll talk a bit about this last week of the season, how you can stream, because there are overload days, thanks in some part to the NCAA tournament going on tonight. Uh, but we're going to keep it mostly to kind of a one-day thing. I really want to spend the rest of the week focusing a bit more on Roto plays you can make and also Roto strategy, because right now, that's actually a really big deal. We're at the rare part of the season where you can actually throw Roto averages out the window. So that's the big point I want to make on today's show. That's the big thing I want you guys to take away here at the beginning of the week. Two main things. Main thing number one, I need you guys going to your Roto games cap board and making sure you max it out. And it doesn't have to be on the last day of the regular season either. You could max it out in advance because it's better to max it out one day early, even if maybe you didn't make the perfect call on what category to attack. And, you know, obviously, if the, if you're on the very last day, you can play the right player. You know, if you're in some... There's a chance that in Roto, even after all this, you know, you might be 5,000 rebounds in and you might be separated by 10, 15 rebounds. And you got to know, you know, do I need to play two or three rebounding specialists on the last day of the season? Maybe you don't get that opportunity if you max out or get close to maxing out one day in advance. Because you might get to within you know five or six games of the cap, and then everybody plays on that last day, and so on and so forth. You get where I'm going with that. Point is, do not leave games on the table. Uh, if, you know, Yahoo Pro Roto Leagues, it's 82 games per position, and you have three IL slots in addition to the three bench slots, so it's really easy to hit your games cap. I'd be pretty floored if anybody who wasn't like if you're trying for most of the season in a yahoo pro roto league you're gonna hit the games cap but it's not always quite that way in a lot of leagues that are set up on the personal side for instance i like to make the games cap more like 85 86 or 87 per per position i minimize il slots because i i hate relying on the site itself to tell me when my guy is il eligible and i know the il plus is useful on Yahoo, the fact that they've added that now in the last year and change, that helps. But I just think it's dumb. Like, why have an IL Plus when you could just add one more bench slot? Just make the make benches a little bit more relevant. As opposed to 
oh, you can't make a move because this guy's healthy and you got to take him off your IL. Just to make, make an extra bench slot. It's super easy. It's not like head-to-head where having an extra whatever is going to be a big advantage. It's not. And you peel that advantage back in Roto by making the games cap a little bit higher. Add a little bit of need for depth. Don't worry so much about an injured guy at the end of your bench because, you you know, you don't have to put him in an IL slot. Anyway, point is, in some of those leagues, it is a little bit harder to get to the actual games cap, especially now when guys miss, missed so much time in a season last couple of years. And like when COVID first came around and my games cap was up around 88 or 90, it was mid-season. I couldn't adjust it. We've adjusted it down over the next couple of years. And we'll, you know, you kind of take every number under advisement as you go towards the following season. But lesson number one here as we head into the final week, do not leave any games on the table, whatever that takes. Look to see where, you know, have you been evenly spacing your games out over the course of the season? Like, there's no way that I can actually get to my center position games cap in one league. I just missed so many games at that spot and was unable to make them up because the replacements weren't functional that I'm doing something stupid and I'm leaving center position games cap on the table. It's a horrible thing that's going to happen. And it's going to probably, you know, they I had a chance to get up into like third or fourth place in that league, maybe get my buy-in back. That's probably going to be the reason that I can't. Because... You know, there might be an opportunity out there to pass someone in a block or a rebound or a field goal percent. And instead, I'm going to leave, you know, seven or eight center games just floating out there. I mean, you're talking potentially 60 rebounds, eight to 10 to 12 blocks. This is a big deal. These things matter. I'm responsible for it. And by the way, this is a reason I'm eliminating leagues at the end of this year. I'm in too many. I lost track. What are you gonna do? I'm human. I got a lot of things going on. Lesson one, don't leave any games cap on the board. In a lot of cases, you still have six days worth of games. You should be able to do it. And to get to that point, you might have to drop legitimate players on your club just to make sure that you have all your roster slots full on any given day. So guys that you trust, guys you've used all year. I dropped Laurie Markin in a league who's been very good, very reliable all season long, but I don't need the exact categories he provides. And what I do need is other healthy players. Like, I just need to have someone in that roster slot every day. So, I'll go into more detail on that as the week goes on, but that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, and this, I think, arguably the more important one right now, for the entire Roto season, I've been telling you guys, set up, a, set up averages, however it makes sense for you to do it. I had the wonderful Neil Roshlani, who you might remember worked for us here uh, or podcasted with us here over at Hoopball, now Sports Ethos, for a very long time. Uh, I miss Neil. I'd love to get him back on something. He helped me create... He took with something that I had made already. I built an Excel spreadsheet that I thought was relatively time... Well, it wasn't that efficient. It, it was fairly time-consuming. Um, and he made it a little bit better. He helped me kind of optimize some of the the formulas that were getting run. And it was nothing super complicated, but just a way to kind of take data from one cell and use it in another, and then from that cell and gets used in an an additional one. And basically, what I would have to do 
is, depending on how often I wanted to do it, about once a week, plug in the data from my Roto scoring board. Not what ranks everybody was in, but the actual counting numbers. How many threes you got? 1,200 something? Great. You put that in a box. How many games has your team played? 790? Great. You put that in a box. And what this Excel was doing was spitting out averages at each of those categories because, well, field goal percent, free throw percent, you can throw those out because those aren't counting stats. But the other seven, you get averages of how you're doing, and then it becomes numbers kind of independent of the game's played tally, which is really hard to follow, especially what everybody's competing in the middle, beginning and middle of the year. So everyone's always jockeying for position. You don't know what players are hurt on which teams. Well, you know which players are hurt. You just don't know what team they're on. So, you know, what about a team that had Bam out of bio that looks like they're sort of lower third in rebounding, and then he comes back, and they're actually better than that. These types of things, you can't keep track of all of that. It's too much. But if you look at averages, and if you look at how they're trending, keep the previous week's data, or two weeks, or however long you want to go in between your updates, you can see which direction teams are trending in as well as where they actually sit. So for the whole season... We've been basing our decision-making on those numbers. Okay, you know, I, my team is averaging, I don't know, make something up. My team is averaging close to six rebounds per game played. Maybe like 6.08 or something like that, which if you extrapolated that and you took it for the entire season, I'd be uh, fourth place. So 12, 11, 10, 9. I'd get nine points and rebounds if I just did exactly what I'm doing right now and I kind of kept it going. And there'd be little adjustments here and there. If a good rebounder misses some time, your number will go down. If one of your poorer rebounders misses some time or you find someone on the waiver wire who's good or bad, whatever, all that stuff is kind of built into a wash effect that takes place. Some teams will get slightly better. Some teams will get slightly worse. You look at the number as it's presented to you. For most of the season, you compare that number to the number that every other team is putting up. But around the last month of the year, you start to notice teams aren't paying attention anymore. And that creates a second factor that you need to build in, which you can't really know for the first three to four months of the season. Who's going to give up? You can't bank on any one particular team. But the last month of the season... You know damn well who's going to give up. And then as every week passes, all of a sudden, the bottom two teams, three, four, five, bottom five teams by the last week of the season, suddenly they're 20, 30 games played behind everybody else or more. Look at your Roto League right now. How many games played have the bottom four or five teams done? On the whole, and this is, again, not for every league. You might look at yours and, and, you know, teams might really be fighting it right until the very end. On the whole, if you look at the bottom four teams in your league, some of them, maybe not all, two, three of the four, have probably stopped setting their lineups every day. They probably hit a button to just set it for the week, if that. And then if guys miss games, whatever. You know, they're not making a bunch of pickups and drops to try to replace guys that are missing games, and they're going to just slowly fall behind. And that becomes relevant because in addition to what you're trying to do with the, the teams that are still fighting, which, by the way, for those teams, for the top, you know, eight or nine, whatever you want to call it, depending on how many positions pay out in your league, that number probably gets bigger and smaller. 
if you're in a league where the top four pay out, it's probably you got like eight teams that are still fighting, trying to get in that last little group. If it's only three that pay out, maybe it's only the top seven, whatever. Again, kind of doesn't matter. That's a number that comes out in the wash. Those teams, you're still looking at averages. You do kind of need to see what players those teams are starting because they might be making little tweaks to their lineup the way that we've been talking about. Getting more rebounders in, getting more assist guys in, specialist level stuff. So yes, that does come into play. But overall, you're still kind of looking at averages and you want to be updating those top seven or eight teams pretty much every day and looking at what direction things are trending. Don't read too much into it because they might have a day where, you know, their three best assist guys go. And then the next day they might have a day where their three best rebounders go. And so that'll create a little bit of a fog. So maybe you update it like every two to three days. Every time every team basically has a chance to play one time is kind of what you're looking at there. Uh, so the other part of that, while you're still fighting with those top six, seven, eight teams for, you know, average production by spot, because you're going to assume that all of those teams are going to use up their full games played allotment. They're all going to get to 820 or 850 or 880 or whatever number you had it set at. So for those averages are still relevant for the teams below that. Again, we're call it kind of the bottom four here on today's podcast. Make the adjustment as you see fit. Look at your own league. You can see who's giving up. For the bottom four, you're looking actually at totals now. And I again, this is something I know to be true. I see it happen every single year. And everybody's like, oh, how do we make teams fight until the very last day? Look, if a team gives up with two or three weeks left when they're buried, that's actually fine. In Roto in particular, you just can't force a team to set their lineup until the last day if they're going to get their butts kicked. Once it's over, it's over. As long as they're not giving up at the halfway point, you know, let it go. There's kind of one team in one of my leagues that totally gave up, you know, a month and a half back. And that sucks, but again, it happens. And by and large, that team's going to get passed by everybody. So it doesn't matter that they gave up. And the teams that give up with three games left, it doesn't matter. But the ones that gave up with about three or four weeks left in the season, where it's a little more subtle, you know, they're only falling seven, eight, nine games back each week because they still have, you know, 10 of their 15 guys are healthy or 11, 12 of their 15 guys are healthy. Maybe they're not setting their lineup, but most of those guys are playing three to four games a week. Of the 10 starters, maybe nine of them are actually playing. So they're still logging like 30 to 35 games a week. And your team is logging 40 to 45 games a week. So at first, you don't really notice. And then three weeks later, all of a sudden now, which is basically where we are today, you got two or three teams that are 20 or 30 games back. But what's important, and and you can still take advantage of this, by the way, because the last week of the season, you're going to see everybody getting rested. So those teams are going to play, going to get even less out of their main guys that they're not starting. You know, they might only get 20 or 25 games played this week if half of their team just sits out half the week. So yes, this is something we probably should have talked about two weeks ago as an opportunity to kind of try to get out in front of it a little bit, but we can still do it now. So look at the bottom teams in your league and look at their actual totals on the Roto scoring board and understand that they're probably not going to do as much this week as you are. You might get 35 to 45 games played this week and they might only get 20. How much ground are you able to pass any of those teams 
if they've given up in a particular category, one that you thought you didn't really have a shot to pass them in. You're, you know, uh, 150 assists behind. That's not even in the realm of attackable if both teams were playing guys in a given week. But if you roll 40 guys out this week, you could get 150 assists, and maybe they only play 10 guys, and maybe none of them are all that good at getting assists. I'm not saying that's a great example because assists are a little bit harder to come by. I'm just saying look and see if any of those teams down at the bottom have given up to the point where something now that you didn't think was in reach before is actually in reach now. I see one on my board. I'm about 40 steals behind a team that, again, if we were both playing our normal lineups, you're not going to gain 40 steals on someone in a given week. But if you play all by yourself for a week and you, again, get 35 or 40 games out of your team and this team gets unlucky and only gets like 10 or 15, anything can happen. What if you... Roll three or four. I mean, what if you end up on a, a weird Killian Hayes game where he gets four steals? Or uh, who the hell cares? What You don't need a player example to roll out there. What if you pick a few guys up that end up with you know, 11, 12 steals in a week? That's actually something that's now within reach that without the give up, there's no shot. And maybe there's nothing obvious floating around. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at one of my leagues as I'm doing this part of the podcast, just trying to find kind of tangible examples I can grab onto. That's the closest thing I can find. You know, these teams that have given up have largely been passed already in this league. And the one that gave up late was actually a team that was kind of out ahead of everybody in games played. So we're all just catching up to them real fast now instead of them falling way far behind. So it might not be the case. But if it's out there... Make sure you don't leave that point on the board. Someone else might not notice it. They might not even think they've got a shot, but you could change up what type of player you're starting, and all of a sudden, an extra point that you never really deserved. To be continued, tomorrow again, we'll talk streaming for the entire week for part of the show, and we'll get into a little bit more Roto strategy, uh, particularly on what kind of players you can even think about using this week. Have a great Monday, everybody. Again, please do drop a five-star review on the podcast. I don't think we have a chance of getting to 800, but who knows? Maybe we do. With your help, I'm at Dan Vespers. If you're not following me on Twitter by now, I mean, whatever. Like, But stick around, too, by the way. Again, reminder, we go all off-season long. This is a year-round ordeal. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, sportsethos.com. And do check out our brand-new fantasy MLB show that dropped a couple weeks ago. Joe Orico doing a wonderful job. If, if you're in them, in MLB, then you definitely need to do it. And if you're just thinking, I need some fantasy to do, <laughs> gotta watch the way I phrase these things. If you need some fantasy sports to play, baseball's starting on Thursday of this week. So it's baseball draft season right now. The best damn time of the year. Come on, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing. Fantasy draft season is always the best. That's Fantasy MLB today, and the Twitter handle is ethosfantasybb for baseball. So just like we got BK for basketball that we always talk about, BB is baseball. That's where the pods are getting tweeted out right now. So go check that out. That's my big request here along with the reviews. Have a marvelous, marvelous Monday. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. The beat rolls on.